I really believe that it's a sin, and I use that both um, uh, tongue-in-cheek but also in truth. I think it's a sin that we feel like in service, and anytime we gather and worship, we have to uh, do things to get ourselves pumped up and this, that, and the other, when um, just simply knowing that God Almighty um, created us, has set us free, has saved us, has... um, taken hold of us, and has an amazing purpose and plan underneath the surface of every life here, uh, working that out all the time. Um, how many, and I just I want to venture uh, a guess from people, how many promises of God do you believe are in the Word, the Bible? How many? Someone throw out a figure. Hundreds, thousands. Kira says millions and billions. All of them. Wrong. Good answer, Frida. We're done. Some theologians, not all, you're going to get different figures, but I'm just going to give you the high number. Some theologians have counted as many as 33,000 promises in the Word of God. Now, let me ask someone here today, who has ever had a time where you sat by yourself or in church or whatever and felt like not one of those promises has ever applied to you? Come on. There's some people here I know at some point in time you thought, no promise has ever come true in my life. Yep. Come on, somebody. Thank you. Somebody else? I'm not saying that it's all the time, but we've gotten that point, right? Uh, if I have to be the one to raise my hand, that's all right. It makes me feel okay. I want to declare just a couple promises to you. I'm doing something a little bit different here. I'm just going to declare these. If these at some point in your life have applied to you or do, period, and you have taken hold of this and you say yes, Yes, and I want you to stand, okay? Obviously, I'm not going to read 33,000 of them, though I think that might be due at some point in time. But Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's a promise. Does that apply to anybody here today? You've taken hold of that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let me throw this one out at you. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivers them out of all trouble and tribulation. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will keep you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, I like it when I start to hear a low rumble. That that, that feels good. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto his children's children. Here's a good one, moms and dads. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not what? Depart from it. Oh, let's keep the rumbling going. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For God Almighty is with you everywhere you go. Isn't it interesting we declare the promises of God and people start to wake up? <gasps> We're in church. How did I get here? Jeremiah 30, verse 17, I will restore health to you, and I will heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life, and he believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But for God so loved the world, 
that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe it in him will not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Any eternal life people here today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh, this is getting fun. I know you guys. All right, last one, last one. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, the Lord said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I'm just throwing out the well-known ones. There's 33,000 more for you to go look for. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to ask some folks here today. Um, is there someone here that has held on to a promise in your life? And see, a promise of God in your life that you've held on to beyond, beyond just saying that's nice or beyond just saying, oh, you know, I know God says this. No, it is what got you through. Dawn, yes. Kim, yes. Curtis, Jim. It is what got you through because you knew there was no other way. Because what we have are promises. We have mathematical promises. Two plus two equals, I can promise you that. We have logical promises that if I look like a person, if I smell like a person, <laughs> I must be a what? And I talk like a person, I must be a what? Logical. But then there is biblical promises where one plus one doesn't always equal two. What, sh what wasn't there is now there. Dad, where are you at? Raise up. Let's see. Raise up your left arm. Okay. Keep it up. Okay. What's this bone called again, folks? Humerus bone. Humerus bone. This wasn't humerus at first. That bone was utterly destroyed. Pastor Jim had no humerus bone left after his accident. They called it cornflakes. There was nothing left except the ball here and just a, a hair above the elbow. Docs take a rod, put it in there permanently, wondering if maybe some bone might take around the rod. They're not sure, but they were this close to amputating, decided to use him as an experiment. Aren't you glad you were a guinea pig, huh? People got to praying. He began declaring, I am the God that healeth thee. In nine months, there was too much bone. The rod had to be removed. An extra bone had to be removed. God called into being was what was not there before. Hasn't bothered him since. He's able to raise it left and right. I think of all, and I don't want to just go over physical healing. I think Jeremy back here. Saw you walk in, so I'm going to talk to you. Why don't you come up here? Uh-oh, he's having a heart attack, folks. Pray him on up through here. The beard's growing. I, 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 what do you go with these guys? They grow beards more than I could grow my whole life. They can grow in like this, this no-shave November thing. I need about 12 years straight of that. So, Jeremy, you're here. And all you got to show for it's a nice scar on your forehead. That's a little, who brought you through? Yes, he did. I'm sure Jenny, like many wives, says, I don't, I don't want to see divorce, but I certainly don't see a problem with murder sometimes. I still remember you sitting in the waiting room. I looked at you, and she was just, it, it was awful. We didn't know where this guy was going to go. He was going to make it, or was he not going to make it? One of these days, I'm going to get you up here, let you run your mouth. You up for it? One of these days. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should. 
Here again is a promise of God fulfilled. Promise of God fulfilled right here. Amen? Okay, now, you see this living, walking miracle. Some of you guys weren't sitting in the, sitting in the, in, in the operating room or, in, or in, the, in, the, in the room looking at him. Man, your, your head was lopsided. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was. It was all, it was all this. And we're sitting there going, Lord, you're going to have to perform a miracle. This is nothing that Jeremy already knows. And I'm not trying to paint it up. It was. It was not pretty. But praise be to God. This is a miracle fulfilled right here. Here he is standing next to me today. How long has it been now? It's been about two, two years. Two years. Praise be to God. Let's give God some glory for Jeremy today. And you know what? I, uh, I'm not joking. We, we might have to bring this guy up here. And I'm, I'm just going to have to sit down at some point and just let him, let him talk when he's ready. He's been practicing. There you go. So you just about right. You got the jitters out next Sunday? <laughs> well, you, I tell you what, you and I will talk after. Awesome. Love you, buddy. Love you. You know, praise be to God. Promises. Promises. Now, now here's the thing. How many ever heard of the Old Testament? How many ever heard of the New Testament? Okay. Two parts of our Bible, right? Does anybody know what was going on between the last book, Malachi, and the first book, Matthew? Anybody have a clue? 400 years of what? Silence. Not a word from God. Not a prophet. Not a... Nothing. In fact, here's the crazy part. Malachi basically ends with this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers. This is a promise. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And the heart of the children to the fathers. Lest I come and destroy the earth with a curse. That's it. Now I want you to think about that. That's the last word God uttered through an anointed prophet for 400 years. And over that period of time, we had a bunch of breath holders. What's going to happen? We had people who just started to do this. We had people that just kind of forgot. But there was a lot that knew God had made promise after promise after promise. He had made a promise about a coming Messiah. He had made a promise that this Messiah would bring salvation. He had made a promise that his people would be set free. To worship Him, give Him glory, to be His children. Those were the last words of God for 400 years. Dark time. Maybe it's not been 400 years for you, but can I ask you guys a question? Have, have there been periods of time where you're going, where is He? Anybody? Where is He? It's dark. The last word I got was a promise, but part of it was a little bit scary. God, what do we what are we waiting on here? Four hundred years later, I'm going to use the Gospel of Luke. Four hundred years later, the heavenlies broke open with this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. 
Now, anybody that had been holding their breath for 400 years, those words would probably be, be, be a, a breath of fresh air. God spoke, and it's good news. But see, here's the thing. Even in the silence, when it doesn't feel like God is around, even if it's for 400 years, He is working beneath the surface to accomplish His plans and purposes for your life. You didn't show up here today just by mistake. In fact, you are not at this point today, November the 27th. November 27th. You're not here by chance. Hear me. You're not here by chance today. Because it's God that ordains our steps, not you. Now, a lot of us go, well, that sounds kind of fatalistic. You mean this God's just kind of toying with us? No. He opens the doors. He prepares the ways. But the directions we walk and the way we walk it oftentimes lays on, our, on us. And how we respond to it lays on us. But is he ever giving up? No. See, from our viewpoint, it may seem as though nothing is happening at all. But God, Brother George, God has never abandoned you. Sister Rose, God has never abandoned you. Sister Pat, God has never abandoned you. Even in the darkest moments, He has not abandoned you. For in Christ, we are His children. Amen? All right, have I lost anybody? Check with your neighbor. Check with your neighbor. Make sure they're wide awake. See, we may feel like God has abandoned us. I'm going to ask Sister Karen to come up here real quick. Karen, could you come up here? Christmas 2014. Christmas 2014. We got through Thanksgiving. We've done the shopping. And then Karen decides she's going to breathe a little less and a little less and a little less until she's in the hospital. And on Christmas Day, it had become life or death. But those promises... I've asked Karen just for about a minute or so just to share where she was at in that dark time of how it was that she held, what it is she held to. I held to the promise that the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. Christmas Eve was the darkest night that I've ever had in my life. It was spiritual warfare. I was delirious, not really remembering where I was, but do remember pieces of sitting on the side of the bed screaming that I wanted to go home, and it was almost like you hadn't seen the commercials where you had the devil and the angel. One was on one side and one was on the other, and one was saying, it's easy, just come on, I'll take you. And the other side was saying, no, you can't do that. You have to fight. Remember, remember, that baby was born on Christmas for you, and that baby was raised and became a man and got on that cross and died for you. You have to fight. It was not, it was a fight. It was, truly, it was a fight. You know, and and I don't know how long the fight went on, but I do remember, just just take me home. I just want to go home. It's so easy. And that, that devil was saying, it is easy. Come on. I'll take you right now. But the Lord never left me, and he never forsake me. I fought. It was a long, hard battle. And I know that there were intercessory prayers because... My youngest child has told me that that night she was on her knees continuously. The chapels told me that for some reason Jim said 
that there was prayer, that they stopped doing what they were doing, and there was intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer works. It does. And the Lord never left me. He didn't forsake me. And I'm here because of that. See, Karen had took hold, even at that moment in that darkness, the Lord said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. Now, some of you say, well, that's Hebrews 13, 5, but it's also found in Joshua first. The Lord said he would never leave nor forsake. And see, Karen knew that verse, but here's the difference, folks. You can know a verse and yet never live a verse. You can know Scripture but never live Scripture. Karen allowed the truth of that Scripture to grip her heart. Henceforth, she sits in our midst today. Amen? Amen? And so as she began to declare that promise, what she was doing was expecting an answer. She was expecting healing. You know, for many of us, we're expecting breakthrough. Anybody here? Breakthrough. We're expecting restoration in relationships. We're, we're expecting provision. Not because we're entitled to it, but because we have a God that says, you know what? I am going to bless you to make you a blessing. You are my child, and it will bring glory to my name. I'm going to move. So we have Karen, we have so many others expecting God to move. Not because we say so, but because he says so. Folks, that's what Advent is. Some define it as coming, a coming, such as the coming of the newborn baby, but it also has even more so to do with expecting, expectation, Advent is about expectation. Everybody say expecting. Expecting. Hope. Hope. Our first candle today, hope. Hey, I'm not a liturgical guy, but I can't dismiss the Advent season. Those are good good things we've got to be reminded of. Hope. Joy, love, peace. Amen? What's Hope. Cross your fingers real quick if you can. Cross your fingers. I hope I do well. I hope this happens or that happens. That's not hope. That's wishing. With uncertainty. Because the way you're talking really means you believe more or less that it's not going to happen. You follow me? That's not hope. But that's how the world declares hope. How many have said, I hope this happens, or I hope that happens? How many have said, you know, how many times has Jane said, I hope the Redskins beat the Cowboys? And how many times has Denise said, I hope the Cowboys beat the Redskins? You know what I mean? Now, that might be closer to biblical hope because they just have that confidence. But this uncertainty... That is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is this. I believe he's going to come through. I'm confident of it. I expect it to happen. And it's not because of anything I say. It's because he said it. Amen? So, believing that God will always fill his promises. He is going to come through. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to come through. Now, I can tell by the rumble that it hasn't hit your heart yet. Because if you really believe that, the whole floor would be shaken when we declare that. He is going to come through. Amen? 
He is going to come through. So here's the thing. What season are we ready to move into? Christmas. Christmas is all about, good job, Sheree. Christmas is all about a fulfilled promise. A promise fulfilled. Easter is all about a promise fulfilled. You following me? Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, salvation is a promise fulfilled. Grace, mercy, love, joy, peace are promises fulfilled. So if any of you are saved, it's because God kept his promise. If any of you are celebrating Christmas because what you believe happened uh, that we're celebrating with, with Christ, Christ's birth, you are celebrating a fulfilled promise. Hebrews 10.23, you might want to jot these down. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly. In other words, don't look to the right or to the left. Keep going straight. Hold on to it and keep going straight. Don't go anywhere else anybody else tells you to go. Go straight. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now, you want to know why? If you agree with me, let me hear you say amen. For he who promised is faithful. Yes, he is. 2 Corinthians one twenty says this, For no matter, this is one of my favorite ones, if anybody wants to get up, get up and dance, I'm, I'm all about it. For no matter how many promises God has made, this is in the Bible, by the way, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen, which means so let it be, is spoken by us to the glory of God. All his promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. Ah, I don't think you're letting it hit you. All his promises are yes and amen. Yeah, you've got, uh, is there a waiting period? Do we have a clue about the timing? What usually happens when we start getting uh, frustrated because we want it now? We find ourselves, are are we still holding to it unswervingly? We start to swerve, don't we? We start to look like a really bad driver. And then we wonder why suddenly we can't see God, feel God, hear God. Guess what? He's just said, hold on to your hope unswervingly. All his promises are yes and amen. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Hold to that. Hold to that. I mean, let's, let's check these out. I'm going to give three for you real quick. The Messiah was promised to come, right? Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord, um, yes, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was a promise. Did it, was it fulfilled? Yes, it was. There was another promise that uh, the Messiah would bring salvation. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sin. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are, that was, has that been fulfilled? Yes. And that continues to be used. We continue to stand under that promise. Now, here's one that has not been fulfilled yet. You ready for this one? Revelation 22, 22. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's a promise. Now, the other promises were fulfilled, so that promise is going to be fulfilled too, I believe. Amen? Who believes that today? Okay, those are promises we hold on to, all right? But see, the promises then that extend between, between the birth of Christ and the return of Christ, 
are also for us to live a godly life. Let's get into that real quick here. Romans 4.18, we see what happened with Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. Remember, how old was Abraham? About 100. Sarah was 90. Pampers hadn't been developed yet. So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed it. Why? Because it was mathematically correct? Because it was logically correct? Or because it was God correct? It was his promises. They say, hold up, we don't ever see these kind of things around here. Well, I have to tell you, if we had a broader picture of what goes on in this world, I think we'd be a lot less skeptical in terms of how God moves. But we live in a great, a great country, praise be to God, but I still believe great freedom. But we also live in a country that likes to swerve a lot. They swerve to everything else that they can find so many times. Amen? David declared, why are you so downcast, my soul? Anybody been there before? Dark times. Why so disturbed within me? I love this. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. What is the antidote to our dark times? Putting our hope in the promises of God, our Savior. Standing on the promises. See, we forget that the really one of the only ways we can truly continue to walk out the Christian walk. Anybody found it difficult at some point in your life to walk the Christian walk? Sure. Thanks, Pete. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah, all of us have at some point or another. But we forget we have got to stand on the promises of God in hope in order to do so. This is what Second Peter says. His divine power, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. What did he give us? Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, oh, I love this. You ready to take hold? Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the godly nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let, let, let's skip verbatim and just get to the point. God has given you every promise you need to take hold of to give you the hope to walk out the Christian walk in the midst of darkness and craziness in this world. Amen. So what does that require of me to stop swerving? Well, what does that require of me to trust that the Lord will be faithful in his promises to help you stop swerving? Hey, I need to hold on to that promise. David said in Psalm 51, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Why? Because I'm going to keep swerving if I don't. God, give me a willing spirit. And I trust you. I take hold of that. I'm going to believe that you are going to get me back on course so that my eyes, I'm running out this race with my eyes fixed on Jesus. So how do I do this? I came across this verse as I was uh, studying this a little bit. I came across this verse in a, a, a book of the Bible we study all the time, Obadiah. Obadiah. Yeah. Oh, Lane's not here today. Keep Brother Lane in prayer. Not feeling well. Got a lot of folks not feeling well today. Obadiah. I believe there's just one chapter. We're going to look at verse 17. I just want you to hear this. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. Are you ready for this? The house of Israel, or of Jacob, shall possess, King James says, their possessions. NIV says, will possess its inheritance. But what I like in King James, it says, possess their possessions. If they are their possessions, why don't they have possession of them yet? Why? God has given us everything. Eternal life is going to be coming Abundant life is now, 
But I do believe that we as Americans love to possess all sorts of things, but we struggle to possess the true spiritual possessions that God has already granted us. Why is that? Unbelief, exhaustion, tired, trying to walk in your own strength. You struggle to believe and you struggle to know that God really loves you and really has granted these things for you. Look, no amount of wishing makes things come true, but I do know that when God promises, I can take hold of that, and that's my hope. Now, I've gotten there yet? No, I'm still walking this myself. Do I still swerve? Unfortunately, I get drowsy at the wheel. But God's saying, hey, I want to bring you to this point where you begin to declare what is rightfully yours. And stop listening to the enemy who tells you otherwise. That night Karen sat in that room. What was rightfully hers? That God was going to continue a work in her on this side of heaven. What was the enemy telling her? Give up. Now I'm not saying that every person who ultimately uh, senses that the Lord is calling them home. I've, I've been around those before and we just, and, and there's a peace in that. You know that you can, when you stand with them praying. So I'm not reflecting on any other person. Who am I talking about right now? Karen. She knew in her heart that God was saying, no, I've still got more work here on this side. And the enemy was saying, no, give up, give up. But that night, Karen possessed her possession. I choose to believe God and what he has declared. And here we are two years later. How many here today have some possessions you need to be possessing? A couple of you. How many have possessed promises of God that he has already declared over you? That he's simply saying, well, start living them. Start living them. I'm in poverty. I'll never be able to make it. Nope. I'm not going to declare that. I'm going to declare that right now, I don't, whatever things look like right now, and things are struggling, but I do know this. So with my eyes fixed on the Lord, I take hold of the promise that my God will supply all my needs according to the riches and glories in Christ Jesus. Because not only does he own a cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills too. Amen. I no longer need to, po- uh, to, 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 to do this to what I already have, rightfully have because of what my God has done. Just because the enemy tells me otherwise, I choose to possess what he's laid out. Now, enough about this. I'm just going to ask you today. I'm going to confront you, challenge you with a question today. What promise or promises has God spoken to you through his word? It's in black and white. It's spoken to your heart. And you know i got to take hold of this. I can't just memorize it and let it sit up here. i got to take hold of this. i got to live this. And maybe some of you already have certain verses, certain promises you've taken hold of. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to hear a lot of this over the next couple weeks. What promises are you living? Ask the Lord to show you in your time with him. Lord, bring these promises to the surface as I read your word. Make them clear. What are you speaking to me? That I may then take hold of them in hope and watch you do mighty things. Really, what does hope mean? Holding on. Holding on to promises expectantly. There you go. How's that work? Holding on to promises expectantly. That's your hope. Every one of us hope that when we die, we'll be taken in before God Almighty because of our faith in Christ Jesus. But that hope isn't wishful thinking. That hope is confident because I stand on the promises. We need to take that same kind of hope in all other situations. Again, speaking to myself before I'm even speaking to you. Hope. Lord, we thank you as you are preparing today. We thank you, Lord, as you are doing a mighty work today in us. We thank you for the hope that you brought. We thank you that you have come. Thank you that you will be coming again. And thank you for all that you have equipped us with while we wait expectantly for your return. Jesus, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory. 
in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you. Let's just sing that together. We stand up. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. If you believe that, one more time, let me hear you. Oh, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You will not prevail because Jesus never fails. Now, don't ask me why, but can you take me to a, I want to do a carol. I don't care if we're in December or not in December. 